0: Charlotte Area Podcast, LinkedIn Entrepreneurs, Investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. We are continuing to release uh, podcast interviews with a couple of the cohort class members from RevTech Labs this spring. Uh, today, we are fortunate to have had Luke Wilcox so luke is the founder uh, ceo of ethos it's an esg screening company so you'll learn more about the the esg world environmental social um, world from the investment perspective and how it continues to bubble up you'll learn where luke kind of started how he got his um, his background in the space and then how they've developed the platform to now how they came into charlotte and um, how the product continues to grow obviously a, a very timely release back in 2019 2020 certainly seems to as we talk about have the wind at his back as he continues to push this venture forward so certainly hope you enjoy another podcast edition with luke wilcox from ethos today hey luke welcome to the podcast today glad to have you on the um have you on the show
1: thanks william it's uh, great to be here
0: so um you know we've talked a couple times in the past this is actually our second go at this podcast since the first one didn't go through so thanks for thanks for carving out an additional 20 minutes with us um but you've recently gone through the RevTech labs program um you're not from charlotte you're um you're an out-of-stater which we love having um out-of-staters come to charlotte unfortunately this year kind of prevented that but if you could give us just a quick heads up on um, who you are and what Ethos is doing um, uh, as a as a product and as a company.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's It is, has been great to be a part of RevTech Labs the last 12 weeks or so and get to meet a lot of Charlotte and related areas. Uh, folks, uh, we're in Minnesota, but I feel like we've gotten to know Charlotte uh, a little bit over the last 12 weeks. So I'm the founder of Ethos, Uh, which is an ESG or environmental social governance data and software platform for financial advisors, wealth managers, institutions, and investors. We uh, help primarily financial advisors and wealth managers currently uh, to use ESG data with their clients to grow their business, to do client facing reporting, to do portfolio construction that integrates ESG criteria. Um, as well as do a variety of lead generation and marketing tools. We are still fairly early stage as a company. We launched uh, last fall with our advisor product, and have roughly doubled our revenue every month since uh, the end of last year. So growing fairly quickly, but still quite early stage.
0: So um, your background is not in the financial advisor, um, investment management world, where did you start off?
1: Yeah, prior to Ethos, I was working in uh, management consulting with McKinsey & Company for about four and a half years doing data analytics and strategy and operations engagements with large corporations, including financial services, but also other industries. Prior to that, I was working in social impact for a variety of nonprofit organizations here in Minnesota doing impact measurement, um, program effectiveness, and related work. We do have a, we just uh, brought on a financial advisor to our team uh, who's based out of Australia. So that's exciting to start to build our more financial advisor specific expertise.
0: So at what point was it, was it in management consulting or was it when you're doing some nonprofit work that you started kind of formulating the concept of what grew into or what has grown into ethos in and in a growing company?
1: Yeah, I think it was, well, uh, well a consultant doing, doing very, uh, way, way too much data and analytics, way too much time and spreadsheets, uh, working with very disparate, unstructured data for large corporations and uh, also doing my own investing uh, at the time and really finding no solution for all this data that was out there. I I was working with lots of data and then saw this unstructured ESG data out there and uh, saw the opportunity for retail investors, for uh, financial advisors, wealth managers to use this data more effectively. Uh, I was curious about what, what the impact of my portfolio was, my investments, and there really wasn't much out there for the retail investor side or the financial advisor, wealth manager side.
0: So you launched in 2000, in the fall of 2020, um, you launched your first um, kind of product in the fall of 2020. What was the concept? How long were you kind of developing it on your, on your own? Or I guess maybe a better question is, um, how long were you toying just with your own or trying to get the, um, your own investments dialed in before you then all of a sudden said, hey, wait a second, this is a pretty good concept and there's not a lot out there. I should make something like this more readily available to the public.
1: Yeah, well, uh, while still a consultant, I started planning with my own investments in 2019. Um, I left consulting in 2019 and uh, initially really focused on retail investors. So we, we initially launched in 2019, actually, with a retail investor product that lets you link your bank accounts and see an automated analysis of your portfolio, uh, it was a little bit tough as an early stage fintech company to go direct to consumer with a lot of uh, uh, sharing of personal financial data. So <laughs> uh, we had a, a fair amount of, of free user traction, but weren't getting the revenue traction that we wanted. Uh, so I, I kept toying with the. Uh, the methodology and the data sources, and that's been continuously built over the last several years in terms of adding data sources, making that more robust. That and that analysis, uh, and then in 2020, we just decided to pivot to um, a little bit more addressable, near-term addressable market of B two B with financial advisors and wealth managers.
0: What um so what was the What was the um, decision-making process to come down to um, Reptech Labs? Um, join the program down here um, and and be part of it for you know the last twelve weeks.
1: It was really uh, the draw of interacting with financial institutions and financial experts uh, through the mentor network, the advisory network that's connected to Red Tech Labs, which has been extremely helpful. A lot of large uh, large financial institutions, as well as wealth management and advisory related experts, as well as software fintech experts. Um, Really, the breadth of expertise that we've been exposed to was probably the most appealing aspect. And um, given that my background is not as deep in financial expertise, um, I wanted to supplement uh, my own expertise and really uh, draw on that that expertise through Reptech Labs. Um, So the programming, the advisory board, the mentors have all been very helpful. And I would like to thank all of the Ethos advisory board and Ethos mentors who've been involved in helping us grow the last 12 weeks.
0: What um, any big pivots that came out of it, or just further developing and honing in on the existing strategy um, to, uh, to to further the inroads to financial advisors, both managers, investment folks.
1: We have uh, started a pivot to look at larger institutions, uh, more on the data and analytics side of ethos. Uh, We're maintaining our core focus on wealth managers and financial advisors, and the go-to-market strategy for them is uh, we've evolved that through the RevTech Labs. We're also looking at Pivot uh, over the next 12 months plus to uh, appeal and offer ethos to larger institutions like banks and um, insurance companies, um, private equity, a whole variety of other segments of the market that we've developed more of a strategy for through the RevTech Labs program.
0: Uh, that's awesome. So you mentioned it a couple of times, right? I mean, there's there's a boatload of data. And it, you know, the cool thing for you too is just the the winds at your back, right? People are a little bit more, not a little bit more, I'd say over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, they're a lot more conscious of the um, environmental social impact of different companies and whether or not they want to be invested in it. I mean, gosh knows, I would imagine a huge wind in your sails was the the Victory of the um the small hedge fund with ExxonMobil a couple of weeks ago, right? And that just kind of validates the model. Um, so um, but this data's been out there forever. I shouldn't say forever. It's been becoming more readily accessible over the course of the last five or six years. Um how and it's a vast amount of data, I can imagine. How are y'all? Um, How are y'all handling that vast amount of data and processing it and putting it in a digestible format for um, advisors and or their clients?
1: Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, One, once we have the data, uh, I learned a lot as a consultant about structuring unstructured data and organizing it into a usable format. Uh, So we organize all of our data into 45 ESG related causes. some typical ESG issues, climate related, gender equality, racial justice, et cetera. So we'll map, do a lot of mapping of raw data to causes and then use those causes to uh, personalize and apply ratings and portfolio analyses So whatever causes a client cares about. Taking a step back and looking at the actual data collection and integration, that is definitely a challenge. Uh, There's a lot more data. It's not always easily accessible or, it's not, definitely not always reported in the same format. Uh, so there are a lot of international standards being developed, but no single standard, no real requirement, uh, really robust requirement at least here in the US. There uh, have been more recent develops, developments with the SFDR requirements in Europe to do more reporting. And there, uh, there will likely be some developments in the US with the SEC to do more standardized reporting over the next several years. Um, But currently, it is still very disparate, um, non-standard reporting. So we tackle that a few ways. Uh, One, we write a lot of code to scrape data where possible, um, and we've um, written code to integrate that to do quality checks that is still uh, somewhat manual. And then two, we work with a lot of partner organizations who do their own data collection, and then we'll either license the data or reach some other agreement with that organization to Use their data so they'll do some of the cleaning and vetting and share that with us. Um, And then, lastly, we also do a lot of our own proprietary research, um, looking at things like uh, how well does a business model contribute to a more sustainable future, for example, or what percent of ESG funds include X stock, Um, things like that. We'll do some of our own analyses. We we use we're a fairly lean team so we try to automate wherever possible and uh, write code to do that. We also uh, use a fair amount of freelancers and um, do a lot of manual data collection and then a lot of quality checks as well.
0: So as you gather and scrape this um, this data, I mean, so you're gathering the data from a couple um, other people that are trying to clean it. You're grabbing your own data. You're trying to clean it. Um, I can imagine at some point in time in the not too distant future, Luke, people will come to you to license the data that you have um, as well. Has that happened yet? Do you expect it to happen? Um, how do you handle those? I mean, can you become the quote-unquote standard?
1: Yeah, we certainly are uh, working towards that goal. We have had people approach us about licensing our data. We've We're working on that business model. Our our current business model is still a monthly and annual subscription is our primary model for working with financial advisors and wealth managers, but looking at more institutional clients, um, definitely data licensing is something that we're working on. It's um, yeah, becoming the standard. There is really no standard out there. Currently there are a lot of large established players like MSCI and Sustainalytics and others that are um, quite well established, but we are looking at becoming more of a, Uh, credible third-party independent uh, provider of data. Um,
0: I like MSCI and everything, but they don't necessarily do a great job on sustainability information, do they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of uh, ways that we think we can be a a really credible third-party provider and um, get around a lot of the issues with non-transparent data that are out there
0: circle back and talk for a few minutes just about you know the course of the last 18 months with the product launch and and everything else. I mean obviously you did product launch and and then a new um a new product a new line launch right in the midst of 2020. How did 2020 impact the business? Um you know, positively negative first half second half um what was the impact to you? And at what point did you you ever put your head in the sand and say, gosh, why did this have to happen now?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was a challenge just when the overall economy was uh, not doing so well, it took a nosedive. Um, We really didn't, um, that that factored into our pivot. So early in 2020, we were still looking at retail investors and going direct to consumer. Um, Later in the year when the recovery was moving forward, we decided to pivot and really the, the silver lining with the pandemic has been the increased focus on uh, racial justice, on global health, on uh, sustainability, a heightened awareness and interest. It's I um, think the combination of pandemic and social issues and ongoing urgency of climate change has accelerated interest in ESG investing, which has been a good silver lining for us. And uh, as, as you said earlier, as some good tailwinds at our, at our back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Outreach to, so, you know, you're dealing in a space where I I think there's growing interest to try to, you know, penetrate and whatnot. How's the outreach to financial advisors, wealth managers been? I would imagine a little difficult because no conferences or anything like that have taken place over the course of the last six or eight months. Um, Well-received, pricing okay, how do you handle that, that niche as you go after it?
1: Yeah, we've tried some events and not had too much success with remote events. But we're looking to, to do that once we're in person again. Uh, we are, we've are we been primarily direct outreach, um, c- connecting on social media, doing direct email and phone outreach to advisors, and that's worked fairly well. But we're looking at uh, shifting to more of a one-to-many marketing approach and really focusing on SEO and uh, building our awareness in the market. We are still quite early and not... Well known, so we, we get fantastic feedback on the product when we do demos, and people always just say that they had never heard about us. So that's um, obviously something that we're working on addressing. And um, most of our our new clients come from referrals, who so get great feedback on the product and great uh, input. And we're currently more affordable than most of our competitors, but um, looking at developing some some more premium features and premium products.
0: Smart. Um, so talk a little bit, you mentioned earlier that you hired, you know, a financial advisor from Australia, um, where's the, um, the, and you've got outsourced folks as well, right? So what's the team like at the moment? How do you see that growing over the course of the next 12 months?
1: There are about six of us on the team, a mix of full-time and part-time, the Australia too in Australia, so we just launched a partnership with them, um, this, uh, group in Australia, they are. Distributing ethos and doing all the marketing and sales in ethos in Australia. That's um, helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the rest of the team is uh, here in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, three of us are U.S., one in Europe. Um, all remote, obviously, uh, currently. Um, but I, I do see us uh, growing um, more marketing and sales, as well as some technical and data help. I think we have a pretty good model to uh, repeat uh, with marketing and sales. So we want to focus on our
0: growing our marketing and awareness in the market. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, um, you know, offline that, you know, coming through Rip tech Labs, you're now going to be launching or, you know, raising a seed round and can't talk a lot about it on public airwaves, but how's um how do you handle that, right? How do you come to that? What did you learn about the raise process through the program? How did you kind of fine tune where you're gonna land and how you're gonna approach it? Um and then how do you get ready psychology-wise psychology, to, you know, psychology wise to go out and raise money, right? Because everybody always says it's such a hard thing to raise money at the same time that you're trying to launch the company or move the company forward.
1: Yeah, it is a, a challenge. Uh, we've been talking to, uh, to pre-seed and seed funders for quite a while. So we have some relationships and ongoing conversations, which has been helpful uh, to not just be starting from scratch. It is uh, it is a mind shift. Uh, we've been bootstrapped, self-funded for uh, mostly to date, um, but we're at a point where we feel like we're strapped for capacity and have a good enough model that we can accelerate growth with, with external funding. It's, uh, it's certainly heightened um the amount of things to do on my to-do list, uh, but it's, it's, uh, we're, we're excited about it. It's, it's a necessary next step for us. We're really at capacity constrained and have a good enough model that we've had enough success and grown revenue enough. We think to, to be at a point where we're ready for this.
0: We had a podcast interview with a gentleman at the, um, I think it's the end of last year, the beginning of this year, um, a th- company called threat switch. And he talked a fair amount and they're, um, kind of a security, um, module, right. And he just talked about it, that he approached the fundraising aspect is just more data that he has to process. Right. Um, do you almost take that approach? It's just a, it's just a data point and you've got to run through the data points in order to get to it. Um, or how are you going to, you know, how are you going to tackle it as you go out and talk to those folks?
1: Yeah, it certainly is a lot more data that we have to, to process and prepare and track and engage external uh, partners. Um, work with our attorney more. It's it's a lot of, of ex- excess work for sure, but it's part of the process to become more more of a um, established professional uh, uh, company. So it's uh, that's a good way to think about it. I mean, we're developing our data room and getting all that ready. Um, I'm trying trying not to, to let, let that get us too too stressed out, um, but it's 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 very exciting too.
0: Yeah, we're um so um, uh, sw- switch back real quick on a personal level. You just had some um you just had some some interesting fun news over the course of the last six months too, right?
1: Yeah, right at the start of RepTech Labs, about twelve weeks ago, uh, my wife and I had our first child, which has been um, amazing—a baby girl. That's uh, been both amazing and, and slowly adding to the, the busyness uh, over the last 12 weeks, the combination of doing Accelerator, growing the business, and now looking at external funding. Um, thankfully, my, my wife is is amazing and does the majority of, of baby care. Yeah. Uh, that's been been super exciting.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. That uh, sheds a whole new light on things, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting with uh, working in ESG space, it, and it, it's easy to get caught up in just the data intensity of it but uh, it's nice to be able to take a step back and think that we're working for a more sustainable future a better world and thinking about my daughter and trying to create a a better world for her that's it's nice to have that uh, mission front and center sometimes
0: so no absolutely so with that kind of in mind i mean where do you see as we wrap up on our kind of shortened 20 minute podcast um you know startups by nature have you know a um, have some type of exit always that they're they're going to go for, right? So they're going to go for an IPO, they're going to go for an exit to through an um, through acquisition or whatever it is. Um, how do you think about that at such a young age? Not young personally, although that is also the case, but young in terms of company, right? How do you how do you process that last component of it? As like, gosh, no, it's kind of like shoot, I'm building something and then I'm going to turn it over to somebody else. Um, or we're going to IPO, whatever it ends up being, right? But how do you think of the exit?
1: Yeah, we ideally would, and are planning to find the right partner to work with. So we are pretty passionate about our uh, mission that we're working on—the social mission as well as the business opportunity—and uh, uh, would love to find the right partner to work with to grow and maintain that part of the business.
2: It's—it's uh, it's
1: also um, I, I love. Growing a business, thinking about the long-term opportunity, and um, I mean, I'm thinking about the exit and what that might look like down the road. It's it still seems a little bit far off, given how, how early we are.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, again, you know, just to go back and say you've got um, you've got a good product. I've seen it. I've looked at it, um, and you're making good releases. You're partnering with some good folks. Um, and, you know, I mean, you always look for for a company that has the benefit of the tailwinds from where people are skating to, right? And you're right there in that space. And now you've just got to, you um, every company needs some luck along the way and you need some luck and some good execution. And I think you'll absolutely get the good execution because you're a smart guy. So... Um, and it's a great product, um, far better than anything else there on the market. So certainly hope y'all continue to skate through to success from here.
1: Thank you very much. It's been great to chat with you. And I and also want to just call out the Reptech Labs team and all the mentors and advisors through the Reptech Labs. That's been extremely helpful for us and been a great experience.
0: So, well, thanks, Luke. Good luck. Um, enjoy the, um, enjoy the summer months and, um, good luck with executing the business model over the course of the next, um, next couple of quarters and years. Thank
1: you very much. Appreciate it.
2: program did not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.